Welcome everybody to the Science Fictionarium, a podcast brought to you by the sciencefictionary.com. We discuss everything from the world of movies, movies, television, and comic books and superheroes, and the world of pop culture. And I'm Daniel, and join me tonight are Andrew. Hey everybody. And Marisha. Hey. And David. Hello. All right, so we'll just get right into some of this stuff. I don't know how many of you actually followed or are aware of what's going on at DC Comics right now. No idea. Um, Do tell. But, well, the uh, longtime publisher there, Dan, I always say Didio, and it might be Didio. I've never heard it actually pronounced publicly. Yeah, Dan Didio is actually out as publisher at DC Comics. Oh, wow. Um, and he's been there for a long time. So the mm-hmm. the deeper question really is what this means. There had already been some rumors from when, when AT&T acquired DC about that they weren't real happy with the publishing portion of hmm. what DC Comics has been doing. They, Marvel's been outselling them, which is normal. Right. That's, mm-hmm. that's been the case for 25, 30 years at this point, but consistently over the last decade, by about 15 or 20 percent. Um, yeah, that's significant. And yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jim Lee is still there. Jeff John still has a position of creative director for, for DC. Uh, but uh, at least as far as I know, he does. But the uh, it, it I'm not sure if anyone knows Ethan Van Skyver either, huh? Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, Andrew, you are familiar with Ethan? I am. Okay. Yeah. He's a really, really talented artist. It, he and Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern is one of my favorite runs. Uh, and Ethan hasn't worked for DC in several years. He does still have friends there. And he is reporting. He has a pretty good social media following. Uh, some of the talk right now is that if this G5 event that DC plans on running late in the year doesn't do well, AT&T may actually shut down the publishing arm of DC Comics. What? Right. Uh, wow. This was this was some speculation before Ethan even said it. So I'm just wondering what we think Dan... Video being out that DC actually means for the future of DC Comics. Ooh. Well, first of all, what, what is this this 5G event? I'm vaguely aware that they're, they're going to push this whole it's the fifth generation of superheroes thing, but but does anyone that I mean, Dad, do you know what that really means? Yeah, that they are pushing the idea of uh, like you said, we're basically moving on to the fifth generation for some of these heroes. Uh, with with Flash, you had all oh, the Golden Age Flash, David Jay Hillian, Garrick? Jay Garrick, then Barry Allen, and then uh, Wally, West. Wally West. Right, and you've you've had Impulse, Kid Flash, some of the, so some of the stuff are kind of moving into the fourth, fifth generation of heroes is kind of the idea they're playing with, um, and some of these they're going we're gonna have new characters portraying our classic heroes, Jonathan Kent who has been Clark Kent's son in the comic books for a few years now, okay. uh, is going to, we're going to see him as Superman. Which I really we'll like, I Lucius, like Jonathan Kent a lot. Yeah. yeah we'll, we'll see Lucius Fox's son, uh, be the new Batman, things like that. And, and it's, 
it's kind of one of those deals where Dan Didio's mark as publisher at DC has been laced with these reboots and you know resurgence, mm-hmm. convergence in the New Fifty Two, and it's rebirth. It, yeah, it's the same kind of stuff that his his tenure there has already been earmarked by. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it, if it doesn't work to boost sales, the the talk is AT and T may shut them down. So I don't know if him being out indicates that or not. I was just was wondering what y'all really think of that. Wow. I mean, I'm not a big comic book person personally, but it seems like I mean DC Comics is iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and it's such an important. I mean, I know they keep. Try and what are they just going to make movies? I mean, is that is that kind of the plan? I mean, if DC doesn't make comics anymore, what do they do? I would imagine what they would really mean if they shut down the publishing line, it would just mean shut down the publishing line for now until AT&T can do a hard reboot, hard reshuffling of okay. of that arm of DC and, and do their own thing. Cause I, I, I find it extremely hard to believe that they would just never publish a comic book again. So I doubt that's what that would mean. Even in the rumors, I doubt that anybody's saying we should just stop publishing comic books. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess I could see why they would though, as AT&T, uh, obviously they don't give a single crap about like the actual, comic book or characters that's all about the business and the money right right and the comic book industry has sadly been slowly dying for years it's no secret well it's all print media yeah newspapers and magazines and yeah exactly and it's it's managed to stick around longer than it probably had any right to Uh, but i not not to say that i want it to go away but it's no secret that it's been um, slowly dying and, and failing over time and I think that this would be so I could understand why they would think that would be a, a smart business move because uh, maybe it's like a waste of money and it is insane how little DC makes and hmm. relative to Marvel I, I think I read one time that they take up as much market share as the entire indie publishing division like all the indie wow uh, and all the indie publishers combined take up the same amount as dc and marvel's only ahead of that because of their success in the movies and yes their right. ability to actually actively grow their their fan, fan base, base and yeah. their audience i know tons and tons and tons of people truly and this is what i say when people say the comic book industry is dying i don't necessarily think it is because i know multiple people who have come to me after seeing these Marvel movies and they say, David, what comic books can I should I read? Can I borrow some of your collection? Do you have any Captain America? Do you have any Spider-Man? Do mm-hmm. you have any Iron Man? Right. And notice, those are I'm listing Marvel characters because they come to me asking to read Marvel characters because yeah. they went and saw a really cool Avengers movie and they want to read about Iron Man. Right. And if you're not putting you're not going to grow this fan base if you're not putting, especially in the world that Marvel has created mm-hmm. where it's all about their cinematic universes and, and the, and the movies they're building. Mm-hmm. If you're not putting out a consistent universe that, that draws in people like that, 
you're not going to grow your comic book sales. And, and, and DC has been making good movies, but they haven't built the same thing Marvel has, obviously. I mean, there's right. no debating that. They, they are not right. on the same level as Marvel. And so they're not growing their fan base. And, and so I could see why AT&T would, would think that maybe they need to come in there and slap it around a little bit. But I don't think that there's any... I'm not going to stress about it. I'm not going to lose sleep. I refuse to believe that they're just going to stop publishing DC comic books. I think it is very, very possible that they are going to come in there and they are going to make some hard reboots and hard changes to mm-hmm. everything happening at DC because it's kind of a mess. Yeah. It kind of sounds like it. Yeah. Every freaking, like Dad was just saying, like every freaking two years, like, you know, there's going to be a new crisis. They're going to reboot everything. They're going to fix it because last time they tried to fix it, they screwed it up even more. And, and, it's it's every every two years you're hearing like yeah there's a new dc crisis coming out there's dc metal there's doomsday clock there's rebirth there's new 52 there's heroes in crisis etc etc and these are all within a year or two of each other and it's it's extremely hard to keep up with right especially i would imagine for casual readers you know people Mm -hmm. who don't know everything that's going on yeah even if you pick up one mm -hmm. of the so i'm sorry oh no go ahead even if you pick up one of the most popular comic books uh, that DC's put out in the past 10 years, like Batman's Court of Owls, right? All right. that New 52 stuff. If you pick that up now, you might as well not because it's all been thrown away and wiped away. Or maybe it happened. Maybe you did. Not, I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. Like no one knows anything. And yeah. it's impossible to keep up with. And, and ca- you're right. Casuals don't want to even try because it's impossible. Marvel, Marvel's had one continuity their entire time. You can go in, you can pick up a Spider-Man, and you know that that Spider-Man comic book you're reading, it matters, because no matter what has happened, it, it is important, and no matter what's happening right now, this comic book that is in your hand actually happened to this character, it is very real, it is tangible, and you don't have to worry about, oh, well, um, event five, uh, event here, 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 and here, and here, and here, and here, and here, retcon it all. Right. And that's why Marvel's growing, that's why DC's dying. Yeah. Well, is it also possible? I mean, I'm I'm also not a big comic book reader. I'm it's like I've said before on here actually that I kind of worked backwards, like David's talking about. I worked backwards into comic books from from the MCU into comic books, mm-hmm. where I was familiar with characters and had read some characters, but it wasn't something where I'd ever read an entire run of someone's story, or it was just you know picked one up here and there and read it. And, you know, what I see across the board with or or looking over at Marvel and seeing the things where they're just constantly pulling out, you know, both in the movies and the comics, they don't seem to lean as heavy on like this one character where from what I see as kind of an outsider's perspective is that DC leans real hard on Batman and Superman. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Where, I mean, they're, they're like, it's like, you've got this great catalog of other characters, but literally everything you're doing revolves around the Justice League characters or their villains. It does it just yeah. seems to me like they're not making good use. Because I think that's one of the things Marvel has done that's really neat is that people have watched those movies and go, I've never heard of this character and I'm really intrigued now. And that's why they're able to grow what they have right. because they can look at all these different characters that they have mm-hmm. and say they don't they don't they don't think to themselves how can we make Spider-Man bigger they think how can we make the Marvel brand bigger and how all these different characters how can we make Ant-Man characters. bigger 
Make Ant Man bigger. Make Iron Man bigger. I, yeah. like right. we all, people forget Iron Man was like a C list character. He's the biggest superhero in the world now. Yeah. There was a time where if you would have told me that Captain America Civil War was going to beat Batman v Superman on the same weekend of them coming out, I would have laughed at you. Mm-hmm. But it beat it by a long shot. And it's because yep. Marvel has done a great job building it and they have not. Now, what does Dan DeDito have to really do? Do with that. I, I guess what that what what Dad was asking, what what Daniel was asking, is that I guess what that would indicate is that that's just AT and T coming in there, and maybe that's their first step of okay. What well, what I was saying, uh, we need to slap some stuff around, and you have rebooted everything, and you know I I don't know. Maybe he's done a good job. Maybe he hasn't. I haven't paid close attention to everything he's done in particular, but they he he's gone and i don't know if 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 he was fired or if he chose to leave but i think it is an indicator that fired. Things he, he was, was fired, fired. Okay. he was he was fired pretty unceremoniously too it was like they they said somebody walked in jim lee's office and is like hey you're the oh full-time only publisher now and he's like this sucks yeah. jim, jim lee's <laughs> Jim Lee's job there the last few years is really just to be Jim Lee, do a variant <laughs> cover every now and then, you know, an, <laughs> yeah. a, an issue, you know, be an ambassador for the company, which he's really good at. I mm-hmm. mean, but uh, <laughs> I, I really don't know what they're going to do with filling Didio's responsibilities. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not, and the, the idea of shutting down the publishing arm literally means shutting down DC Comics. Right. It would only exist as the copyright holder for these characters, hmm. which make a ton of money in other media. Right. They just want to, they would steal, if those characters are no longer profitable in this medium, you're still going to use them in the movies, in TV, in video games, where they actually make money. So, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's both a scary thing and has also been the saving grace of these companies that they fall under ownership of these huge conglomerations now. Um, I mean, Marvel was real close to going belly up Mm -hmm. when Disney pulled them out of the fire. That's true. You know, despite the success of of Iron Man. Um, That's true. They almost went bankrupt a a few times. They went... That was the early nineties. They were, they were holding their own by the time Disney bought them. But that's actually well, Disney o- Disney only well bought made. them because they had that slight uptick, and Disney saw the value in it. But mm-hmm. your, your your points well made and well taken. I was just saying. Yeah, but, but I mean, uh, you know, these companies, you know, the Disney or an AT and T, like these companies are so big that something as relatively small as Marvel or DC. If it's not making money, they'll just stick it on a shelf. Right, like it's it's a it's a big, whatever you know. It's and and that's I guess that's how these guys are successful. Is they just look at it and go, it's all money, and DC is just a tool that they mm-hmm. have now put on their belt. Maybe they'll pick that hammer up if they want to use it, but it's not like that's going to be their big money maker. And the comic books are not a big money maker, to be honest. I mean. Right. Especially when you look at Disney. Like, if Disney shut down Marvel Comics publishing tomorrow, I don't think anybody 
would lose any sleep over at Disney. There, it's not that. Mm-hmm. It's relatively a really tiny money maker compared to everything else. Mm-hmm. It's right. kind of just there because it'd be outrageous if they shut it down. And I think that's what's going. On. I mean, I, I just find it so hard to believe. Now, anything's possible, and I've had to eat my words before. But I find it so hard to believe that an entire publishing arm that did that Disney could that 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 DC could just stop publishing comic books. But you never know because. Uh, the the suits over at AT and T are not thinking the same way we are thinking. That's true at all. So, how does DC's current ownership are they fully owned by AT and T now? Is, does AT and T own every division of DC? Yeah, did they buy Warner Brothers? I didn't. Warner Brothers own DC. It was some kind of merger, I think, and I don't know the details of. I'm sorry, David. Do what? Well, what do you think? Because you've been you've been asking us the questions and, and letting us. Give our opinion, uh, but what do you I, think about all this? I hate to see it go, but I think there's a possibility it's coming. And it's it takes about five minutes to read a comic book, and they're five dollars a piece. And it mm-hmm. takes a lot of money to produce these things. So I I can understand the monetary reasons for it. That they're they're not always very profitable. So maybe the digital arm. Maybe they can still keep something going digitally and just leave out the print. I I don't know. And none of this may come to fruition. It's all speculation. Um, and like I said, I hate to see it go. I'm not going to say it's not a possibility. All right. We need to start a petition. Do you remember uh, back when uh, when we knew that Billy D. Williams was We saved be, Billy D. Williams. We sa- yeah, that's, what, that's what I'm getting at. We sa- yeah. we, <laughs> we, the science fictionary saved Billy D. Williams, and now we have to save D.C. Yes. It's up to us. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make Save D.C. Yeah. t-shirts. You can, you can buy them on TeePublic. <laughs> Links in well, the description. But anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do, but. We're going to move on here. I had a, a few of the topics I wanted to hit on. That That's a big one, though. Like, I don't think any of us want to want to see DC Comics actually shut down and walk in our comic book stores and not be able to see a DC book on the shelf. But hopefully it, it will come It would be heartbreaking. It would truly be heartbreaking. It's such an important yeah, part we'll, of... Uh, nope, because I was fisting to move on to the next topic. Oh, so I was just going to say, it's such an way. important part of the the culture of America, American culture. Um, you know, comic mm-hmm. books has been such an important part um, of, of, you know, just sort of how the 20th century and the 21st century have sort of shaped up um, mm-hmm. as far as entertainment. And it would really be a shame to see something as iconic as DC go. These um, are our Greek gods. These are the modern day, yep. like, pantheon. Yes, this is our I, mythology. I, I look over at my shelf right now, and what's sitting there is a copy of, of Kingdom Come, published by DC. Mm-hmm. And... It would break my heart to 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 know that that company is no longer going to make books. Well, when we know, <laughs> but we'll <laughs> we will stay in the world of DC. But the that we had some more photos drop uh, for the Batman, and the ones I saw really look like they're just more shots of the same scene the that bat. they were. Okay. From the shots we got before with the stunt double on the motorcycle, mm-hmm. now we get what appears to be Catwoman's stunt double on a motorcycle also. So, lots of motorcycles coming of, up here. <laughs> lots yeah, <laughs> but uh, a, a couple of things. One, what do we think of the bike, and two, what do we think of Catwoman? Even though I know we're not seeing her 
in her costume that that just looks like a bike outfit but uh david you saw those you you brought them up so what, what did you think about them you're the one that brought them to my attention yeah so um we get a we also get a much uh larger look at the suit and uh what that's going to be like and and we get the bike and Catwoman, and you know the bike. I, I'm I've been staring at it for a while because I knew you were going to ask. What do we think of the bike? And part of me really likes it because it's very comic booky. It's very like campy. The idea that Bruce Wayne was like, "I need a bike, Alfred." No, but make it look like a bat, like <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. But I, I I like the way it looks. I really do. And the suit, it looks very very weird. It's very yeah. weird. It's very tactical. It looks, and I made the I made this comparison when we saw the the initial uh, test screening test uh, screenings of the um of the suit. It, it looks very Arkham Knighty, very Arkham Origins, like the Arkham video games. Uh, very tactical, and, and and I'm not entirely convinced that that is the final suit, the final version of the suit that we're gonna hmm. see. Um, and I know that the youth they sometimes they'll add a cape in post. In post production, yeah, that's true. But, but but there's no cave, so that could be the case. They could add the cape in post production, or what I initially thought was, oh, he's not wearing a cape because this is just him on a bike. So he just put on his suit to go on a bike real quick. And the final version of the suit is going to have a cape, and he's not going to have those weird arm things. And but but I don't know. I really don't. So um, is the shot of the motorcycle. Um, I know the shot of the suit, a lot of people have been really upset about the way the suit looks or just the way just some of the stuff looks in general on the, with him in the suit. But the problem mm-hmm. is one of the uh, the shot that I saw anyway is not even the actor. It's a stuntman and it's yeah. the stunt armor, which is uh, never going to be exactly the same as... Yeah, that's true. The actual armor. And I always go back to the very first time that we saw Captain America's outfit for uh, the first Avenger. We saw a shot of him on that motorcycle, and it looked horrible. And it turned out that it was a stuntman in more of the stunt version of the outfit. Mm -hmm. Mm. Do you remember the first images from Shazam? How everybody making fun of how dumb Zachary Levi looked in those first pictures of Shazam. I mean, it looked mm-hmm. cheesy as all get out. It looked great on the screen, but it did not look great in those sneaky paparazzi pictures. That is a good point. I hadn't even thought about that because I really, I kind of don't like the suit. Like, but but that's a good point. When I look at it now, with you saying that, it does look like the kind of suit that a stuntman would wear. In case mm-hmm. he like you know falls off the bike and, and <laughs> right like, right or something. It, we it, don't it, want the stuntman to die. <laughs> right, I don't know how I feel about the gauntlets. I feel like those gaunt- those gauntlets are probably a part of the final suit because I don't know why else they look like that. Um, with like the, I don't even know what that is on his gauntlets. I have yeah. no idea what to call that. <laughs> I, I, I really that's kind of the only part I don't like. I also wonder if we won't see some sort of evolution of the suit throughout the film. We probably will. Because, I hope so, at least. I mean, if I understand where they're setting this, he hasn't been Batman all that long where this movie picks up, right? Uh, I believe it's... Uh, I heard that 
apparently it's going to be it's his second year as Batman. The start of his second year as Batman. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, we right, could see some it. real changes in that in that time. And that's cool. I right. like the idea of the suits. I mean, they haven't really done this much. It's, it's kind of weird. The only uh, Batman in movies that's kind of done this is the Ben Affleck Batman. Uh, the idea that Bruce Wayne has like 20 different suits sitting in the cave. I right. like that idea. Yeah. Um, and they really haven't done that. So I'd love it if if we saw different suits as it evolves or for different scenarios that he needs yeah. them. And that'd be really cool. I mean, why not? Why? Uh, seriously, if you've got that mu- much expendable income, mm-hmm. why would you not have 20 different bat suits for exact? You know, you got right. an underwater bat suit. You got a bike bat suit. I mean, why not? Well, that's more toys to sell. And that's yes. where the money comes from. That's yeah. true. So just as as far as the suit goes, I I never want to take something that I see from a set photo and assume that that's anything like what we're going to see in the film. Mm-hmm. Just for the simple fact, if you it, the thing that has thrown me off and made me go, yeah, I don't care. I'll just see what it looks like in the finished product. Is the um, I can't even remember what they called the suits. The suits that all of the Avengers team wears to go through mm-hmm. uh, when they're doing the, the time traveling. Yeah, because you know those don't even actually exist. They were completely digital. Right, yeah, that's true. I've seen that now where they actually had the the actors wear their actual suits yep. and then they CGI those quantum suits. That's a good point. You're right. We don't know what it's going to look like. And it doesn't even look that bad. And No, it doesn't look bad, but we don't know if we're seeing all of it. Right. And, 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 and just assuming that this is exi- – like let's let's say this picture is exactly what it's going to be. Uh, how good the suit is also depends on the context of the movie that we're watching. That's true. And, and what's going on. That can affect the whole thing because yeah. if you put – for example, if you take like the Batman 89 suit and you put that in the Nolan universe, it doesn't work at all. Yep. Uh, but you put it in that universe and it's amazing and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the context of the film and, and that's really going to enhance it. Yeah. Uh, what do you guys think about the ears, though? Because I think it's fair. I think it's safe to assume that's at least what the ears are going to look like. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily mind them. I mean, those have been the ears have been kind of all over the place in the on-screen versions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm really like Daniel. What are you thinking about the whole? I mean, you're being kind of quiet over there. Um, well, uh, the suit itself. I don't know yet. It, it's got pauldrons on it, but like you said, maybe those are there for extra protection for the stunt man, or because I couldn't really see the the shot we had on Robert Pattinson. I couldn't really tell that it had those big bulky pauldrons. Um, I don't know what that crap is on the gauntlets. It, it's one of those things like y'all said. We need to see it live action. People are complaining there's no cape. They're going to add the cape digitally. They're not going to have the stunt man mm-hmm. wearing the cape while he's trying to ride the bike and get it cut. It's just a safety thing, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm okay with it. I want to see the finished product like y'all. Ears, I don't make a big deal out of ears. I don't care how long the darn ears are. That's never bothered me. They've been mm-hmm. 18,000 different links in different films and comic books. and mm-hmm. that, I'm not worried about that. Uh, the bike, though, I hate the bike. <laughs> I do, it, look, it, it looks like it came right out of the 60s TV show. It does. That's the first thing I thought. Wow, yeah, and it, that just doesn't, and it fits there in that context, right? Mm-hmm. But 
and we don't know the context of this film yet, but the impression we have from it is that it's not a 60s TV show. Fit. Yeah. Right. Well, especially so, with the suit, because the suit the, the suit is definitely not very um, '60s TV show. No. Well, the one thing I will say about the cowl, what it thing. actually reminds me a little bit of, it actually something about the shape of it reminds me of the Daredevil cowl from the Netflix series. Yeah, a lot of comparisons I've seen for that. Especially since the first test screening it's was It's something like, about the way it fits around the cheeks and eyes. Mm-hmm. I agree. It does. Now that I'm looking at it, it kind of... The shape kind of reminds me of the of the uh, 60s TV show. The way the forehead is kind of shaped and, and hmm. there's no... And now that I'm looking at it compared to other bat suits, it's, it is very... The, the cow, at least, is very different and very... Um, it looks like a, it's very rounded off to me. It looks like, and I kind of like the, I kind of like to look at the cow altogether. And if you look at the eyes, now I saw. What do you guys think about the eyes? Um, because I saw a couple pics of some green screen looking stuff, kind of oh, putting being put over the eyes. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna get the the white eyes? The white eyes. Yeah, the white eyes. Like- no, I, I don't think so. I don't think they're going that way. If, if either we're going to see his natural eyes or they're going to do the eye black the way they have every other movie, one or the other. So Daniel's uh, on team. We're going to get white. Not white. What about you, David? How do you, do you think it's going to be white eyes? Like Spider-Man? See, when I look at, yeah, like Spider-Man, right. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. When I look at these pictures and you can see that there's like obviously like some kind of goggles and I'm guessing, okay, he's just wearing goggles cause he's riding a bike. Right. That's the, uh, that's right. probably what it is. Probably. But if we were to get the white eyes, that's been done a couple times in like fan films and fan art mm-hmm. and it, it don't, it don't work. It has <laughs> never worked, but you make a good point. They did the, they somehow made the eyes work for Spider-Man. Those weird eyes. Like they figured it out, man. They did, they, they did something that mm-hmm. the eyes yeah, that's got- a full mask with the lenses and we don't – I don't know. Just something about – I don't know how you – I don't know how you give Batman full white eyes and explain that. Well, but with Affleck, we did see him drop the night vision. You can see the lenses and the eye sockets. Maybe something like that. Maybe you're right. Uh, they did the same uh, thing I just, for a I don't really – I don't, I don't think that's going to be the normal, though. Mm-hmm. I really don't. That'd be interesting. Uh, if they could make it work, it would be amazing. But they have to like figure out how to like make that look good. Mm-hmm. Then it would be if if it, if it looked good, it'd be my favorite thing in the world because that's it, that's is always depicted with the white eyes and all the comic books and, and all of the animation. Okay, so here's a question. Y'all keep saying '60s TV shows. So are we gonna set it in the '60s? That would be awesome. No. Oh, come on. You know you want to see Batman set in the 60s. I would watch that. but I, I would watch the heck out of sure that. that's not where they're going here. Oh, come on no. now. Burst in my bubble. Is it going to be, though, in the 80s, like Joker? Or, ooh, even better, is it going to take place in the 2000s? So we saw the Bruce Wayne in the Joker movie, but I don't know. I know y'all haven't seen Joker. Bruce Wayne's in it as a child, mm-hmm. and... 
is this, uh, this going to be that Bruce Wayne? And then uh, at the end, oh my God, it's Joaquin Phoenix. Like, hey. That could happen. I, I'd, I'd absolutely adore that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. Though. I, I highly doubt that. But no, I do not think it's taking place in this. If I, I, would, I would just guess it's taking place now. I mean, or it's probably not going to be really specified. Unspecified, modern-ish Gotham. <laughs> yeah. You know, I hope that it a is Goth- a weird, unspecified Gotham because, and the really the only movie that did this, and to I know those movies are not great at all, but the Joel Showmarker movies, those Gothams had some real personality, mm-hmm. real gothic and weird. Tim Burton kind mm-hmm. of touched on it too, but but those are the ones that more closely touch like the animated series where like this really weird gothic city that is set in its own place and time where mm-hmm. they have you know in the animated series they have like 60s white static tv sets while also having like laser blasters it, it doesn't make sense it's it, it is set it's a, in an anachronism unspecified place a, huh? it's a kind of anachronistic alternate universe right, yeah it's a, it has a very weird personality, a very distinguished mm-hmm. personality. Gotham itself is a character, and yeah. if we got a Gotham like this, and that's what a, I think Gotham was kind of like that in Joker. Yeah. I would love it if we got a Gotham like that in this movie, a Gotham that is a character, not just Chicago. <laughs> you right. Know? Well, you know, the the Gotham TV show was kind of that way. It was um, like a lot of the the sets and the costumes and things were very retro. But it it was also very it also had really modern elements. It was you know it kind of wasn't really tethered real closely to any specific time. No, and and I didn't watch a whole lot of the Gotham TV show, but from what I did watch, it was the same way. It's like what you're saying. It wasn't really tethered to anything, and it's its own character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and yeah. I mean, the Goth- Gotham Police Force was a little like a you know 1920s. Mm-hmm. You know, anti anti gangster unit, and, and yeah, and the costumes were very kind of forties looking. Yep, a lot of them, especially you know, women rocking like you know big victory rolls and stuff, very forties looking hair. Um, mm-hmm. and and the cars were like old. You know, all the cars were like from the eighties, probably. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of an interesting. I would kind of love to see it go a little bit that that route as opposed to, you know, modern, uh, modern Marvel movies tend to be very, you know, like, and this here's, you know, uh, you know, he's driving his new Mm. Tesla and, you know, this is the new, whatever, you know, it's very like, this is the year it happened, um, in this reality that we know, but I would love to see it be something a little more, um, a little more interpretive maybe. Yeah. And I think that helps make it timeless. You know, in, in 20 years, those Marvel movies are going to be probably kind of dated. Even yep. though they have this advanced technology, they're going to be kind of dated. But you look back at like the Batman 89 movie and, and it's it stands alone. Mm-hmm. It, it is its own thing because it can take place at any time, in any place. It's it's its, it's, its own little world. Yeah. Well, and it, that's the thing that makes, I think, fantasy hold up. In a different way than some mm-hmm. other things. Like, I mean, we were watching Lord of the Rings with the kids yesterday, and that Dekka movie's 20 years. Jeez, that movie's as old as you are. That makes me feel so old. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that, I mean, the movie's 20 yeah. years old, and it holds up. It really does. Um, 
almost all of the effects hold up in it. I think part of the reason it holds up is because it doesn't, you don't look at it and see a date on it. You're not like, oh, like I remember the year that car came out. It's a, it's fantasy. It's like in this, you know, made up far away, you know, land. And so you don't date it in your mind whenever you're just watching it. So, yeah, I think that you're right. I think that making those kinds of decisions um, for a Batman movie could make it timeless in its own kind of way. And I would I would love to see something that's worth holding up, you know? Yeah, well, it sounds like Daniel's back from fighting off the train, I thought. Nope. Yeah, so I, I think yeah no, I'm here. You're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you prevail? Well, he's here. Yeah, the, the, I waited it out. All right. No, those are... I like that conversation. I was listening to y'all, um, but I, I I tend to agree. There there's a way to make Batman timeless in a way that it it'll it'll hold up. And I, mm-hmm. I would like to see him do that. I don't know that we're going to do that in this movie. I still think I still think DC has it in their hearts to try to connect some kind of universe. And maybe maybe the Batman is them starting fresh again with with something. We don't want to change the the direction or the actors they have in place for some of these characters like Wonder Woman or Aquaman or even Flash. I, I like Ezra Miller's The Flash. We do know we're probably going in a different direction with Superman. Um, but you can kind of soft reboot some of what you've done and just kind of ignore and, and go forward. And mm-hmm. if Pattinson's if you know if Pattinson's on for several movies then then maybe they can do that. So I, I don't really expect them to set it outside of the time of the world we're already in. But that it's an interesting be, conversation. That would so, be an interesting way, though, for DC to sort of distinguish themselves from Marvel without always trying to play catch-up. would be to do something yeah, that's a I little mean, it, bit different. That's, that's always been my point, is they don't have to connect everything. Mm-hmm. Joker's no. obviously, I mean, you've got two different actors playing Joker in movies that came out a couple years apart. You know, you don't just make good movies. Quit worrying about trying to connect everything. Just, you know, just because, Mar- yeah, Marvel didn't it work. But you know what? If we had had those standalone movies, they were all wonderful. We still would have enjoyed them. We wouldn't right. have known the difference. Avengers was a magnificent accomplishment. And again, and Marvel. has done is a magnificent accomplishment. But you don't have to do that to be successful or to make good yeah. movies. Yeah. Well, and the thing That's is, is Marvel has thing. created something that nobody really thought was possible. And no one has been able to replicate. Everybody's tried. Yeah. <laughs> the dark universe. Right. Yeah. And they, they were going to do the mummy and Frankenstein and they were going to do like a whole Dracula. And Dracula. Yeah. There was going to the monster universe. Right. And then they didn't realize right. that people loved the la- the previous mummy series way more than they were ever going to love anything new. That didn't have Brenton Fraser in it. That yeah, was their can't mistake. Do mummy without but Brendan Fraser. Why would you? This is so off topic. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to, uh, yeah, I want to move on again. I'm really not into editing two and a half hours worth of recording. So <laughs> You're over all that, huh, Daniel? I'm probably gonna, I'm probably gonna skip a couple of these topics, but I'm gonna leave them unchecked so we can get to them next week. Okay. But uh, so the the next thing I think we got to talk about is going to be Bloodshot. We haven't mentioned it all, and we've had a couple trailers for it already. Uh, y'all, y'all have seen the Bloodshot trailers, and, and if you have, Andrew, I really want to get your take on this because it Can seems give like us something two minutes? I, I haven't cool. but actually if y'all want to talk I'm, i will step away and watch the trailer and come right back okay well then david you have thoughts on bloodshot trailer 
I have some thoughts on Bloodshot trailer. Um, Marisha, have you seen the Bloodshot tra- the Bloodshot trailer? Oh, I guess she stepped away too to to watch it. Yeah, okay. that's why I went to you. If he hadn't seen it, she hadn't either. Okay, okay. I didn't know. I wasn't sure. I am not like a Vertigo fan. Uh, not Vertigo. So, uh, let me restart that. It's Variant. <clears throat> I'm not like a Variant fan necessarily. I'm just aware of these characters and their existence. Uh, I knew who Bloodshot was, and when this trailer kind of dropped, I was like, wow, okay, they're doing a Bloodshot movie, I guess. <laughs> Woohoo, I guess. But it actually looks a lot of fun. Um, I mean, Vin Diesel looks great as Bloodshot. I mean, duh, that makes perfect sense. Just just from what I know about Bloodshot, which is pretty much just action hero shoots people is cool. Vin Diesel obviously is perfect for that. I don't know if I'm going to see it, but... It looks interesting enough and fun enough and actiony enough that if it comes out and people are like, you got to see this, I mean, I'll go, I'll happily spend the money to go see it. Um, I like people trying to do different things, um, especially from comic books, because there are so many different types of comic books out there. And I'm all for uh, companies doing unique things and. I think it looks, I think, you know, I think it looks like what a bloodshot trailer would look like. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he's shooting people. He's cool. Pow, pow, pow. Okay. This is awesome. It's like Chronicles of Riddick, you know, just like, this is awesome. It's Vin Diesel being awesome. A straight action movie. That's, that's in his wheelhouse and he looks the part. And he was really, we talk about actors born to play roles and I, uh, being perfect for certain roles. And I, I definitely think he's perfect for this one. The, the first trailer, though, I feel like they kind of gave too much away. Uh, the, the trailers could be better. Uh, I don't need the twist revealed in the trailer. Unless yeah. that's something they are on the movie. So mm-hmm. I agree. And, you know, I would, here's what I'll do. If they, if this movie comes out and they tell me if, and I hear, Hey, for like the majority of the movie, he is fully white. He's white bloodshot, right? Like covered in white paint. I will go see that movie in an instant, <laughs> just out of the respect for them actually doing that. The source I, material, right? Yeah, for for sticking to the source material and just doing it, and and just painting him white. And you know, I, I bet Vin Diesel would do it. You know, like uh, Paul Bettany, I've heard he hates being Vision because you have to sit in that makeup chair for hours. How long can it really take to paint a bald man white? You just you just start throwing some paint on there. So yeah, I don't I don't expect them to do that though. But I, that's what I think. Um, I don't expect them to do it either. But if they do, I will go see the movie. I pinky promise. That'd be the same thing. I'm gonna go see that Sonic movie just out of respect for them, like fixing the character design. And that's that that's the same thing. If if they do that, I will go see this Bloodshot movie. It looks a lot of fun. You know, I, I don't like um. The, the Fast and Furious movies, I used to not like them and, and until they people were like, I think it was probably you, Dad, who were, you were like, no, I'm telling you, these movies are pretty fun, actually. They're pretty good. You, you got to check them out. And I sat down and watched them. And now it's like a yearly staple. Like, we got to go see the new Fast and Furious movie. And, and so I go see it just because it's fun action and they're not trying to be anything else. And I don't think this movie's trying to be anything other than what it is, which is just bloodshot being freaking awesome. Right. 
Is is Andrew Beckett? I am. Okay. So, so what would you think? So I only watched the first trailer. I haven't watched the most recent one. I don't know. It, it's a it's a really interesting concept, and I'm always interested anytime they pull Vin Diesel into anything like sci-fi related, um, mm-hmm. because he has in the past had this strange ability to take movies that nobody would have really cared about otherwise. Because he's not a guy that I'm like, oh yeah, Vin Diesel, like he's the greatest actor ever. I mean, he's, you know, I mean, he's Vin Diesel. I mean, he's Vin Diesel and everything he does, mm-hmm. but yeah. it it's, he has always had a knack for taking these movies that would have been very forgettable and pulling them off. And Nick. I find some of the, from that first trailer, I mean, some of the, uh, societal issues and, and things that are going on there to be intriguing. I don't know where they go. I, it seems like it's probably going to be pretty paint by numbers, pretty predictable. Yeah, I'm a little scared of that too. And they even, I mean, they gave away what seems to be a pretty big plot yeah. for the first trailer. And that's exactly my, so. was my thought. Like, okay, so whenever they give away something that big in a trailer, they have either told you a significant portion of the story or... There are other much bigger plot points to be revealed, but you never know right. until the movie comes out. You know, that right. could happen I, in the I first am, five m- minutes or that could right, be the exactly. whole movie. Right. Yeah. I was just saying that also. So we'll, we'll see how that one goes. I, I, Bloodshot's always been an interesting character, even in the comic books. It was actually in a time where there weren't a lot of real novel ideas in comics when it was a lot of copying what came before. Mm-hmm. They, Bloodshot was a pretty original idea. He actually, his body is full of nanites. Right. And that's what allows him to have the healing factor that, and of course, that that one is a little derivative. We first saw that with Wolverine and then characters like Deadpool. But he was was a little different. It was a different take on on some kind of familiar things. Yeah, there's a number uh, of familiar. An interesting character, and, and Vin Diesel certainly looks the part, and it's right in his wheelhouse to be basically a straight action movie and uh i i I will go see it i'm i'm interested in it i I do have some trepidation but i I think that will be a good one so any other thoughts on that or we're going to move on to the next one so we can we can keep moving well we had a uh a new trailer for a a new netflix show another transformer show this one is an Mm -hmm. animated it's anime this is an anime Transformers. They're going to do a trilogy of films on Netflix. And we had the first trailer drop for part one, which is titled Siege. And this whole trilogy is the uh, the war for Cybertron. Mm-hmm. And I saw this and really liked it. The, the war for Cybertron, to me, has always been something interesting in Transformers lore. Mm-hmm. We know there was this huge war that, that led to basically the destruction of their planet. Right. Uh, Autobots and the Decepticons coming to Earth. And the whole Transformers mythology centers around Optimus Prime trying to protect the Allspark right. from the Decepticons. Now we get to see all that came about. Right. Um, so I don't know what, what y'all thought of that. Or what do you think of this whole series as a whole? Oh, my, my son's going to watch the heck out of it. I'm confident <laughs> we're going to all be thoroughly sick of it by the time it's over. Um, I mean, it's neat. I'm, I'm glad they're doing it. I, it looked like they're doing a good job with the 
I mean, just from what you can tell from the trailer, looks like they're doing some interesting things with the story and it should be good. Um, it might take me a little bit to get used to the animation. And unfortunately, that's just me. That's just something I say every time a new animated series comes out pretty much where mm -hmm. the new animation style is just, I, it's partially that digital, that type of digital animation. I've just never really gotten used to it. Uh, the last animated show that we watched that I just loved was Voltron, which I absolutely loved the animation for. And I would have hoped for something a little more in those lines, which was also very anime. Yeah, there's lots of different styles of anime. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I mean, it looks interesting. I, yeah, it, it, I mean, I, I, I gotta be honest and I'm so sorry. I <laughs> Please forgive me, internet. I'm not a big Transformers fan. <gasps> Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I don't really care, but you know. And and it's just yeah. sort of I know, I know. It's just, it's, <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch this. But it, it, I'm it's cool that they're doing it. You know, I don't like to see any franchise die or yeah. to go away. And I'm always happy when I see things like Transformers be able to come back and, and reach a new generation and yeah. uh, 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 appeal to some new people. Again, iconic and, and you know, yeah, iconic, part of our yeah. sort of cultural lexicon. Right. Yeah. And it's a big part of that. And, and there are, there are huge fans of transformers. I mean, I'm not the biggest yeah. fan of transformers, but that's one of the fan bases that are, are the most passionate about the fact that they like transformers yeah. and they love some freaking transformers. And, and so, I'm happy for them. Cool. I'm happy they're still doing it. I'm just not personally going to check it out. There's well, just too much stuff, man. And Transformers there's a lot is of not stuff. on that list. Well, and I think this is a, I'm not sorry to see them do this instead of the movies for a little while. And not, I mean, I did not watch the most recent Transformers movie, but I've seen several of them and, you know, and enjoyed them for what they were for sure. And I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, kind of like you said, it's not exactly my fandom. But I'm excited to see something that's really just kind of an important cultural thing and, and something that my um, my kid cares about um, mm -hmm. be something, continue to be a thing and not just sort of disappear. So I'll give him something and his mm -hmm. uncle Kevin something to talk about my uh, <laughs> that they talk about whenever whenever my uncle was a kid, he got a whole bunch of money for Christmas, like a, I don't know, a couple of hundred dollars and his friends were like, Dude, you could buy so many Transformers with that. Do you know how many Transformers you could buy for two hundred dollars? You know, <laughs> it was like currency. You know, that was the concern in, in, in the eighties <laughs> to a twelve-year-old boy. There's a also been a trailer for Stranger Things season three, and we have some confirmation now that Hopper is alive, which I think is something we all already yeah. believed. They yeah. hinted at that at the end of season four. two. Yeah, yeah, season four. I'm yeah. sorry. It is season four. I lost count. <laughs> you but, uh, Yeah. Hopper being alive is I'm one of so those things sorry. really that I wasn't going to buy that until they showed me that yeah. he was dead. Like, yeah. And then at the, at the end of season uh, three, they're in Russia and it's like the American, like th they've been calling him the American, the entire season. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they say at the end, I mean, it, it was obvious. But I'm not complaining because, uh, frick yeah, I love Hopper, and I'm uh, I think that he was done a disservice in season three. He was just really angry all the time, yeah, and butt hurt that a woman wouldn't go on a date with him. And it was <laughs> like, get over, you know, it's just kind of annoying. So, um, 
I, I'm happy to see him still alive because he he was in, in season one and, and season two he was probably my favorite character he was the most interesting and different from the other stereotypes that they were mm-hmm. kind of going with you know but usually the cops they they're they're all like oh no there's no way this is true blah, blah, blah. but he was like within the first episode of the whole show he was he was in he was like yeah. yep he i'm gonna it. solve this problem I'm a good cop. I'm going to save people and save my town. And there's, I be, I'm in. Right. You don't have to spend half a season being like, there's no way. Because that's annoying. That happens all the time. Right. And that roofing shows for me. So I'm very hot, happy that Hopper is alive. And I'm very excited for Stranger Things season four. I think this is, and this is one of the few Netflix shows that's getting more than three seasons. Yeah. Uh, I know they've done it a lot with like House of Cards and stuff like that, but the formula is usually three seasons, then it's canceled. Mm-hmm. And but this show is so popular, there's no way it's not getting another season. And I thought they said this was it. Did they say this was it, or did they say they were doing five? Maybe. I think they said the four was it. Four Money was it. To- okay. does talk, so they may change their mind. That's a, yeah. You never know at the end of it. That, especially that happens. Yeah, like Grey's Anatomy was supposed to end five seasons ago, and every season they keep renewing it because it's popular. That might happen with Stranger right. Things. Right. Yeah. It is the most popular show. Mm-hmm. It is, but I, I will say, like sometimes going beyond the end of your planned story—that's true—is a real fast way to ruin a show. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've seen a lot of complaints with Stranger Things saying that, and some good arguments that it should have ended in season one because at this point. There's nothing really strange about it anymore. We've the mystery's kind of been solved, but they keep throwing in more and mm-hmm. and you know what's so strange about Russians and the eighties <laughs> and top <laughs> secret government bases right. and stuff like that. We and and we know the mystery. It's not really strange. It's kind of lost that same charm that it had. But I like the characters a lot, so I'm definitely going to watch the show. I but mean, we I've still keep paying for Netflix every month, so we can watch the next season of it, and that's the point. Right. <laughs> yeah. See, season three was definitely high quality. It was a, it was, it was, an, I, I enjoyed season two and a lot of people didn't. Um, but either way, season three was a, uh, was better than, than season two. So mm-hmm. uh, excited for season four. I would hope there would be more. Um, but, you know, th- th- these, these actors are more and more in demand. Yeah. Uh, David Harbour's doing other things. Millie Bobby Brown is commanding a huge paycheck from Netflix right now. Ben Wolfhard is in films. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's one of those things that may be difficult for them to keep going, even if they wanted yeah, to. Just yeah, just because but everybody keeps getting more and more popular. No, it was a really quick trailer, and the biggest thing in it yes. really is just confirming that Hopper was alive, which we all already knew. But either way, yeah. I think we're all really excited for for the next season of that show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, at, Andrew brought something to my attention. I had not seen or heard of before. It was a trailer for a movie called Abigail. Yeah. And I'm not even going to say much about that right now. I'm just going to let Andrew I take off from that. I don't have just a whole lot to say about it. It's something I discovered recently. It got, it's an indie film. And, and the main reason I'm bringing it up, especially for an indie film, it's, it's beautiful. It really is. Uh, yeah. The effects look incredible. It's very it's, steampunk. Well, that was the thing. That's the whole thing. It was definitely intentionally very uh, steampunk in design. It's kind of set in this 
it seems it, it's kind of a dystopian world, but with a hopeful outlook. Mm-hmm. I, I brought it up because one, okay, so it's it was released. It's like I said, it's an indie film. It was released last August in Russia, mm-hmm. but it has not gotten a U.S. release yet, and actually is now being pushed straight to. At some point soon, it's going to go straight to video and digital. Indie films have played such a huge role in the in science fiction movie making for mm-hmm. so long. And sometimes those are the easiest movies to overlook, especially now where it's getting harder and harder for movies like that to get theatrical releases because theaters are, are looking for the billion dollar movie, not the one that's going to make, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe a hundred million or 200 million at best. Yeah. And there's, there's no way that Abigail is ending up at the Natchez mall theater. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So I caught it a couple of days ago, and I just thought it was really intriguing. And for an indie film, looks spectacular. And and I'm I can't wait to watch it. It seems to be um, really original too. And that's something like we're seeing a lot of adaptions of things. We well, saw I, think, I don't know. Engines, I don't know saw. if there is source material for this, or I don't know. I know nothing about it other than that trailer. And that trailer was enough for me to. Be excited to watch it when it mm-hmm. does come out. So go check it out, Abigail. You can see the trailer on YouTube. I mean, y'all watched the trailer. Like, what did what did y'all just think about the trailer in general? I thought that it's a very interesting concept, and you're right. Like, that's indie movies have a very important role to play in the history of of sci-fi and and fantasy and, and these types of movies. And I do like the the uh concept a lot i'm even though i i feel bad saying it because of how much you just talked about it but i I probably won't go out of my way to see this movie uh because there's just so much and um Mm -hmm. but i would happily watch it if it was like if i was looking if i was watching tv one day and i saw it up there and Mm -hmm. if you if you see it and you say Guys, this movie is amazing. You have to go watch it right now. It is it is important. It is great. Then I'll go check it out. But there's just so much to watch. But I, I do think it looks cool. And I'm happy that it's getting to come to the U.S. in, in any form at all or anywhere else in the world. Because you're right. Indie movies have played a big role and they are important. And these, these movies need to have recognition and and be given a chance. Right. Well, that's the thing. You have so many people out there that yell and scream about there's no originality in film. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is there are probably hundreds of brilliant movies made every year that just fly under everybody's radar. Yep. Because if it's not on their television in this huge, big, you know, beautiful trailer, trailer, then they're not going to even notice it. Well, if a character they're not familiar with isn't in it. If, right. If, right. If Captain America or Iron Man aren't in it, then... Right. And it's not a director not you know, it. and it's not an actor you know. Yeah, and to be fair, I understand it, because movies, some people can afford to see one movie a month. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's true. Are you going to go see Abigail, or are you going to see the new movie with Harley Quinn, the, the character that you know and love, you know? Well, I... <laughs> I also did watch the trailer, and I, I 
the production values look very high. I did like the special effects. Some of the acting, I'm not sure about. I guess we need to see the film, see how that really plays out. Uh, but it but it looks interesting. Um, and it, that, that may be something I check out also. So, But uh, did, did any of us get a chance to catch up on Picard this week? We made it through three episodes. Four episodes. Four episodes. Four episodes. We have not watched the okay. most recent episode. I think Daniel, you're you've only made three episodes, right? Uh, three episodes, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm really enjoying it. I know a lot of people have kind of been down on it, but I like it. Well, I'm I'm mostly curious to hear. Daniel's by far the biggest Star Trek fan here, so yeah. I'm uh, I mean, I, I'm a Star Trek fan, have been for a long time. I'm really enjoying it. What I will say is, and, I, you know, I'm just going to talk about the first three episodes since that's... David, have you been watching it? I know the concept of the first episode, but no, I have not been watching it. Okay. The one thing I will say is while it's very different, it's a very different feel mm-hmm. to really any other Star Trek shows... That I've watched. Thank God it feels different than Discovery. Which is fine. I mean, in some ways, it's just kind of brought it into a little bit higher production value, mm-hmm. more a little more cinematic mm-hmm. style than previous iterations yeah, of Star Trek, which sure. didn't always have huge budgets. But the one thing for me, the one thing that was critical was that Picard had to still be Picard. Yep. Yes. And... I can live with a lot of the other things and I don't have just a whole lot of gripes. I'm enjoying it three episodes in. Um, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm ready to be out there in space and, and doing mm-hmm. some trekking around trekking the stars. Around, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Star trekking around the universe <laughs> on the starship enterprise. <laughs> but, um, but Picard very much feels like, Picard and yes. he feels like what I think an older Picard might would you know be like he's a little mm-hmm. a little more quick to get a little snippy with people uh-huh but right. I'm enjoying it mm-hmm. but I, I like I said I really want to hear what Daniel's got to say about this one um it's a little weird watching a show that for four episodes we didn't leave earth mm-hmm. um except to see what was going on in the board cube, but the, it's a little weird watching a Star Trek show that takes us four episodes before we ever even leave Earth. Yeah. Uh, like Andrew said, though, Picard is still Picard. I'm good with it. I've enjoyed the show so far. I knew the show was different with the line, the unbelievable fucking hubris. Um, where you can tell a lot has changed in the last 20 years for Picard. Uh, he's right. no longer in very high regard at Starfleet. Mm-hmm. Um, the the old Picard you've expected he could have walked in and asked an admiral for something like that and they would have trusted him mm-hmm. and gone on. But there's been a lot of bad blood between him and Starfleet. So that has an interesting mm-hmm. that has an interesting dynamic to the show. I think there's some interesting things with and the whole show really centers around uh, what we're going to do now with cybernetics and mm-hmm. uh, all going back to Commander Data. And there's obviously right. a connection there, a personal connection with Picard. What are they doing with all these Borg implants? Uh, and, and we're seeing more and more of what they call XBs, ex-Borg. Mm-hmm. And, of course, 7 of 9 is the most popular, famous, or well-known ex-Borg to us. From you know, She was a cast member on Voyager for from mm-hmm. season 2 or 3 on. 
so we, we get to see her come back and that was interesting and what she's been up to now so i am uh and of course i'm on episode three so i didn't get to see her come back yet i think she did come back in episode four right correct so, yeah but uh, I, I i'm enjoying the show i'm glad picard is back it, yeah. it does feel more like star trek than discovery at least like marisha says uh it it is a little different though, but I'm I'm good with it so far. I have, I've I've, I've enjoyed what I've seen. It creates mm-hmm. some really interesting things we haven't explored in Star Trek before in that universe. So, yeah. Um, D- David, have you watched it at all? I, I haven't seen any of uh, of Picard. No. So I do think when we get to the down to the end of the series, and because I've got a lot of thoughts on the current state of Starfleet, I mean, what Starfleet was always supposed to be and what it's become, and, and I do think, but I, at this point, I'm reserving some of those until I see the entirety of the season. But I, I do think there's probably an entire episode's worth of conversation about this series once it's finished. Yeah, I think so. I'm just. I'm always happy to see Patrick Stewart doing something so iconic. You know, it was, I was excited to see him come back and do Logan, do the last, you know, run as Charles Xavier. And I'm really happy Mm -hmm. to see him back doing Picard. The only thing, honestly, that I really hate about it is I can't watch it with my kids because we have to have all of the effing hubris, (laughs) you know, we, Mm -hmm. we have to, we have to say those sorts of things. And so now my eight year old can't watch it. Um, which is something that I kind of always enjoyed about Star Trek. Is it something we could do? Um, I mean, so, you know, occasionally some of the themes are a little adult, but in general, it's something we could talk about, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 watch together. And I'm sorry to see that apparently they don't make Star Trek that way anymore, um, because Discovery was not that way, and this certainly isn't either. So that's really the only thing that. Um, that kind of makes me sad about it. I feel like that's kind of in the end of an era for star Trek is that, you know, that season of it being kind of a, a family thing for us is, is sort of gone. So that's, mm-hmm. that's really my only gripe with it. I mean, and as an yeah, adult, I really can too. enjoy it, but I like to be able to watch thoughtful things with my kids. I mm-hmm. think it's a shame that we've created more and more of a divide where there's children's entertainment and adult entertainment you know, we've got to have nudity or we've got to have, um, you know, language that isn't appropriate for an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. And we've got to have conversations about graphic things that children shouldn't hear. Well, I mean, I think about it and, and across the board, most of the things that I watched with my dad as a kid, mm-hmm. with the exception of a few sitcoms, mm-hmm. most of the things I watched with him were science fiction mm-hmm. because it was something that you could sit down as a family and watch. Mm-hmm. Granted, TV sensors were a lot stricter right. at that point in time, too. And with this stuff going to streaming, where it's kind of the Wild West of TV making right, right. now. and mm-hmm. It is kind of the end of an era, though, of, of families being able to do things like right. that Right, well, which is why we recently started, we just started watching uh, Stargate with the kids. Yeah. We just watched the movie and the pilot episode of SG-1, mm-hmm. um, because... I can sit down and watch those with the kids. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's definitely, to me, feels a little bit un-Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. That, that's, that's just, that's what everything's becoming. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's for adults or for, it's, it's for kids, so. I definitely see what you're saying. And, and 
with the Star Trek that I have watched, and we'll get to that very soon next, I'm sure, because I did watch Wrath of Khan. Like, that's, I see yeah. what you're saying, like, the, the, the ability to watch that with your kids and, and introduce them to adult themes mm-hmm. in a very, uh, in a way that is entertaining that you can, like, explain mm-hmm. these things to them. And, yeah. and and it's probably been really great. Uh, I see exactly what you're saying. All I can say is that I, I hope that on, on the bright side, at least, like, the silver lining is that there is already so much Star Trek. That's true. That you can spend the next, let's say, eight years of your child's life watching all that Star Trek. And, and then whenever they, they come to that age that you're comfortable with them watching something like Picard, then they can come and watch Picard. Yeah, that's and, true. And it's, like, and it's like a new thing. It's like, it's like oh, there's more? And, and yeah. It's like a there's new a backlog. <laughs> right, yeah. That's true. And we'll continue to do that because we have some of our favorite, you know, conversations about, you know, what, what, what constitutes a good person. And, you know, Mm -hmm. well, I mean, is that a good decision? Is that a wise decision? You know, what, well, 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 but that person, they're acting in their best interest, you know, just lots of, you know, important, important things. And, but I did watch Wrath of Khan too. I, in fact, had zero time today and still finished it. That yes. was going to be the next thing I was going to get to. So you did watch Wrath of Khan. And what did yes. you think? Oh, well, I have seen it before. Um, it's been a few years, but I have seen it before. But um, talking about things that hold up, you know, it definitely holds up all these years later. You know, even all, all of the effects may not hold up maybe quite as well as they did when they first came out. But the um, you know, the story is, is so... Uh, fundamental i think just the some the, the themes that it it deals with are really important you know human uh experiences you know what friendship and sacrifice and revenge and pain and you know all of that i i think it um it's really it's just a great movie it really is that's sort of exactly how i felt felt about it too i actually uh prefix this conversation this is something we're going to try to do every week for me and marisha the two uh People who have seen the least amount of Star Trek yes. in this group are going to try to watch a the new young movie people. every single week. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. People, uh, this conversation. <laughs> right, yeah. And so I watched The Wrath of Khan today, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, like, so it's very fresh on my mind. Mm-hmm. And I feel the exact same way you do, where it's it's just another great Star Trek movie where it, it, it takes these themes that... It, it, wanted to tackle and wanted to talk about and built up a beautiful story around that. I love Star Trek, the motion picture. And we talked about that last week Mm -hmm. on our show and how going into it, Daniel told me that this is not the best Star Trek movie. And Mm -hmm. I was like, how could there be better Star Trek movies? And now I see what he was talking about because Wrath of Khan was just an excellent movie. I, I started watching it and I could not stop. Yeah. Until it was over, I was just in love with what I was seeing. Mm -hmm. The you're right. The effects they don't, you know, they don't hold up. But it's fine. It's one of those things where it it doesn't matter. That's not what the movie's about. It's a sci-fi movie, but it's not about how cool the effects look. It's about you. You see the Enterprise, and even if the Enterprise doesn't look as good as it does in let's say like the new 
the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, right. you still get the same, like, oh, it's the Enterprise. Like, right. Even if it looks like how it looks because uh, of the stories that's been built around it. And yeah. It's it's a great movie that tackles these themes. Khan is a great villain. I've always yeah. seen list videos like top ten right t- movie uh, villains movie of villains. all time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and now I know why Khan is because he it, his motivations I clearly understand exactly yep. why he's so mad mm-hmm. and why he's doing what he's doing. He is compelling and he is like he's this genius. And they pointed out later, Spock points it out later, where he's like. He's very intelligent, but he doesn't have experience. And right. you see, that's how Kirk beats him. Right. Uh, Kirk in this movie is an absolute mother effing gangster. Uh, <laughs> the coolest freaking lines. He's like, he's when when um when he's eating that apple uh, in the on the whenever he's just seen Genesis and and they're like, oh, they're talking about the lose. The, everyone thinks they've lost, and right. and then he calls up Spock. He's like, all right, it's been two hours. You ready? And they're like, what? And he goes, I told you, I don't like to lose. Like, right. Just the <laughs> jaw dropping, like, wow, what a freaking gangster! Like, what yeah. a, the coolest freaking character that I've ever seen. Like, just so confident and 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 smart, and, and I loved his rivalry with right rivalry i can't say words sometimes uh with but you know what i'm trying to say with con yeah. um it, it was straight up a chess match mm-hmm. and they they i'm sure i'm not the first one to make that comparison whenever they first uh get to the botany bay there's literally a chess match that was building on uh like a chess board that was mm-hmm. that was on the ship the whole movie's a chess match between Khan and Kirk, and Kirk right. just going back and forth and, and outsmarting each other right after and just completely compelling. You never know what's going to happen. And, and I knew Spock was going to die. Uh, right. I knew that, that it's, it's, it's classic. It's part of the mythos. Everybody knows. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's part of the myth. That's yeah, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. So I knew he died. Right. But whenever, so the whole time I'm like, okay, so, but I don't know how, right. You know, I knew or when I, or when I don't know how or when exactly. So I'm like, Oh, he's gonna die and everyone on the right. ship is so happy whenever they win like oh yeah we did it and i'm like they don't know right they, they don't know what i know they missed the memo <laughs> yeah and it, and it causes some great dramatic tension and they missed the memo like they don't know mm-hmm. i guess they haven't seen a top 10 list video before and so right um, they they totally missed all of that past 40 years of just it, general cultural knowledge it, <laughs> and it it has a it has a huge impact on the rest of the series that the, you know, three, four, five, and six all call back to it in some way. I, I right. saw uh, the di- directly three and four. Yeah, I was really tempted to go watch Search for Spock, but I restrained myself because I had like 20 people coming to my house for dinner. And yeah. <laughs> it was in no shape to have 20 people in it. So I, yeah. uh, I called it, but I definitely. Um, I'm, I'm eager to move on to the the next installment. You know, I think though one of my favorite, one of my biggest gripes with just movies in general and with fans in general right now is the conversation that always seems to center around how if if a relationship is important, then obviously it has to be romantic. You know, like if if they're not romantically involved then how could you suggest that you know they love each other and how could you suggest that it's a sacrifice to see that person die um and i i kind of love that that whole 
you know, that that's not a conversation for this, that, that you get a really pure kind of the Spock and, and Kirk's relationship, um, that they, they have such a, a, a love for each other for exactly who they are and as different and as, as polar opposite as they are, that they, um, they're kind of the, the yin and the yang, you know, they, they need each other and that they, their, their balance, um, for each other and how, how good they are together is, uh, I think one of my favorite things about, about it, um, about the movie, you know, just that their dynamic. And then also that we actually get to see William Shatner sort of learn to act. <laughs> it would be, I'm sorry. Some of the acting yeah, this, in, in the original series uh, is, is not award worthy, but I mean, he really, um, he did turn a corner in this one. He did. He and did. it's, it's, it's a much his, you know, as people get older, I think they tend to become more reflective and more thoughtful and it really fit because, you know, you get kind of the brash, cocky, um, you know, James T. Kirk in, in the original series. And by this one, mm-hmm. you know, he's really kind of got a little more, besides just being, you know, himself, he's sort of got some more depth. And I feel like he and Shatner sort of kind of grow um you know, develop some maturity there, mm-hmm. you know, as, as the character and the actor, both, um, I think you see a lot right. of growth in them and that's kind of cool. Yeah. You'll, you'll see more of that going forward. You'll see more of that going forward in the series too, where I've always have felt like Kirk and Shatner really kind of mirrored each other mm-hmm. with their development. And whenever we get, mm-hmm. especially to star Trek five, when we get there, I have some comments about that too, but I'm not going to, Get into that Don't now. Don't spoil it. I haven't first, seen so. it. Uh, you haven't I, seen five. You have. Hmm? You said you've seen five. Oh no no. I, oh, okay. I, sorry. No, he was asking you. You haven't seen oh. five. Uh, which one is five? That's it's, the one. Uh, that's Final Frontier. Final Frontier. No. I don't think I've seen. I have seen Search you for Spock. Seen, you have seen Search for Spock. I think I've seen Search for Spock, but I didn't see. Most of the ones that came after it, except uh, for the one um, with the board for queen. For the purposes of this show, you're going to see it again. So Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, what you were saying all about Spock and, and Kirk's relationship. I've had uh, a very tight group of friends since I was in the sixth grade. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 19 now. And since I was 11 years old, I've had a very close group of friends. And we've all been best friends since then. And I, I literally saw them last night. And so nothing makes me more emotional, basically, really, mm-hmm. than seeing relationships between friends, mm-hmm. especially like the relationships between Kirk and Spock. Right. And in the end, at Spock's funeral, whenever Kirk is talking and he, and he, and he cracks up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't see Kirk falter. You don't see him do yeah. that, usually. He doesn't talk that way. He doesn't ever break and right. and you could tell that, that that's what you're saying William Shatner learned to act because that mm-hmm. was incredible and and it really like it affected me much more than than mm-hmm. any sort of like relationship romantic relationship could have probably because you're right like there is true like pure love between the characters mm-hmm. and no, even though how different they are and 
the way that um, at near the beginning, Spock says, I have been and always will be your friend. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when he's dying, he says it again. Like, right. That is that that just hits me so hard. Yeah. Um, and the sacrifice that he makes for everybody. And and, and what's he say? Uh, whenever um, he, he knocks out McCoy, he says there's no time to, uh, to debate the logic behind this. And, right. and it's because, yes, he's thinking logically, mm-hmm. but. In reality, he's he's th- he's not thinking logically. He's thinking with his heart because right. he wants to save his friends. Right. And he is, without question, willing to sacrifice himself to make sure mm-hmm. that his friends survive. And it's and, and when you think about it, it's not logically. Send in Scotty. Send in anybody who already knows how to fix it. You know, like right. or, or or who you know. He doesn't have to do it. Right. It doesn't right. have to be Spock, but he knows that if he were to, he there's no time to debate. There's no time to talk about who's it going to be, mm-hmm. and he's willing to do that for his friends because that's what his heart is telling him, not mm-hmm. his brain. Right. That's what that's what his heart is telling him to do, and it is just an incredible moment in, mm-hmm. in film history. And I, I know exactly why that shows up on every top ten list. I know why this movie is talked about Still. endlessly. And I'm going to yeah. watch it again. I, I yeah. will have because it's also just a lot of fun to watch. It's action packed. Right. It's a lot more fast paced than the other one. I think it's shorter than the other movie. Um, it, it's very um, it gets to the point and there's some great moments in it that are like that jump at you. Um, it's a it's a real roller coaster of a movie. Yeah, and it, is. It, it feels a lot more like a like a feature film than, than um, it's obvious that this time going into making this one, they had a, you know, been maybe a bit more of a budget and they really made this like a, like a, like a movie, like a, as opposed to a, just a long episode. Right. Yeah. And, and it made it, they made it an event, right? This is like a big deal. Now I, I haven't watched much of the original series. So was, was Khan already a character? Yes. Yes. Because like, obviously they referred to that. I was just, being clear. So that was an episode. All everything they talked about that happened. All of that happened. Show. We yes. saw it on the original series. Yeah. They okay. come across the botany bay and they're like, what's who are all these people in stasis? Oh, it's the, okay. the eugenics wars, right? In the 20th century, they were trying to make the perfect human and they made Khan and he, he made trouble. And so they put him on the botany bay and mm-hmm. jettisoned him out into space, him and his buddies. Right. One last little note. In the middle of watching this movie, I did have to stop once, and it's because I realized halfway through it, where have I seen that actor before? <laughs> He's the grandpa in Spy Kids. And I didn't even... Yes, right. Is. Yeah, and then I saw it now, I'm like, oh my god. And ever since I saw that, I couldn't stop You couldn't unsee that. it? <laughs> yeah, just the way that he talks. He talks That's the hilarious. exact same way in Spy Kids. Yeah, I'm gonna have to... I really like Spy Kids. I was too old for Spy Kids when it came out, but I still enjoyed it, so now I'm gonna have to go back and, and watch it, because now, yeah. now same, I've gotta yeah, see Khan. That's so funny, because the same way... And, and Khan... Actually, Khan's a great character, because he's really Shakespearean. Like, mm-hmm. what he says at the end is like and i spit on you with my final breath or whatever like he's just monologuing it's like yeah which, you know, a lot of times that'd be really like shut up what are you doing man mm-hmm. but like this it worked really really well just because of the way the actor did yeah. it and the character that it built up just this like larger than life yeah guy who would yeah that's exactly how you talk like that 
And it's funny because that is the exact same way the grandpa and Spike <laughs> That's why I made the connection. Like, where have I heard this way of speaking before? That's and funny. it's Spike Kids. <laughs> of course. Where else? Where else would yeah. it possibly be from? The two, the two most important sci-fi franchises of all time. Yes, definitely. Spike Kids and Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> What is that speech from? Does anybody know off the top of their head? It seems like it's from a Shakespeare play. I don't know which one. It definitely feels like it. <laughs> uh, I know that that the the spiel that Kurt gives, you know, it is a far, far better thing than I do. That's the end of A Tale of Two Cities. But I don't know what the uh, monologue that Khan gives is from. Now we have to look it up because it's going to bother me. But that does remind me, one of my favorite things that I've knows about star trek is how they keep reference referencing things that we would reference right now mm-hmm. and that's really interesting because it's like oh this is in the future so everything that happened to us technically has like happened to them so like shakespeare existed in that world you know right in star trek shakespeare existed and, and i think that's really cool how they always call back to that and it, and it makes the characters yeah. a lot more relatable and timeless mm-hmm. we, we talked about it when we talked about the motion picture this franchise is timeless these movies are timeless because mm-hmm. it's all about character mm-hmm. and and the people and the celebration of of humanity and i, I just I, I i'm very excited to see uh the search for spock i'm probably going to watch it tomorrow because i found it there on hulu yes so that was very yes. exciting so i, I can just like this i have well. hulu so i'm like oh here we go although it's really jarring those when those commercials come on it's like wait a second it's like totally takes you out of it whenever <laughs> yeah. you know it's like and buy this you know here and have a weird car commercial you gotta watch three mike bloomberg commercials <laughs> yeah. oh y'all i like can we just please fast forward to i don't care who gets elected i just want to be past it <laughs> i just want to watch star trek man all right i don't want to watch <laughs> politics commercials elect james t kirk president <laughs> wouldn't that be hilarious if william shatner ran for president <laughs> i mean it's not any more comical than i mean some of the stuff that's going on in politics in the past few yeah, years yeah, as well. i i get to vote for the first time oh wow this year. that's exciting and, uh yeah exciting isn't the word i'd use but um <laughs> Uh, if, if, if William Shatner was running for president, I know where my vote would go. <laughs> you could always write him in because I'm not going to like any of the candidates. Yeah. So I'll just write in William Shatner. That could just be our thing. <laughs> Hashtag elect yeah. James T. Kirk. <laughs> Save Billy D. Williams. Save Lando. Gonna... Save what, Lando. Wait, what did we, we, we talked about it in this wait, episode. Wait, okay, wait, stop, stop. We're getting way off track. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting time, so... Daniel just he sees like the hours it's gonna take to edit this. <laughs> I I am sorry. I will edit it if you want me to because I feel that's bad. All, that's all right. But that all right. is all the time we got. So, uh, <laughs> so Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? Okay, so people can find me running the Twitter account for this show and for our other show, our Star Wars show at Cor- uh, Coruscant Radio Underground. You can find that Twitter account at Sa underscore Fictionary. You can drop us a line at thesciencefictionary at gmail.com. And you can find us at thesciencefictionary.com. It's all true. And Marisha? You can find me. Um, I have a website. is princessesandpadawans.com. And there's not much there, but it's it exists. 
I'm on Instagram, princesses underscore and underscore Padawans, and on Twitter at ppadawans. And David? You guys can find me on my YouTube channel, Stay Creative, where I do podcasts uh, every single week. And you can find me over at Twitter at stay underscore creative DD. Awesome. Yes, I found you on Twitter. Uh, you did. That's exciting. Yes. I, wrote, I wrote a witty comment in a response to the science fictionary post. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was very proud. <laughs> Good job, David. Um, Thank you. Your your name shouldn't both start with D. It's too like. Ugh. I always I'm, I always want to go say the wrong one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, and I am Dancy Peeps on Twitter, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>